This is the Balancing Act by Security Compass, your guide to going fast while staying safe in today's digital world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast. Today, we have our guest, Michael Spitsky. Michael, welcome. Thanks, Altas. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Michael, uh, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your background, how you ended up where you are, uh, how you how you're like some of the things that you're doing with Salt Security. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm Mike Izbitsky. I'm a, a technical evangelist with uh, Salt Security. Uh, it's, it's been a little bit of a, a journey to, to get to that point. I won't uh, bore listeners with my complete history, but uh, I, I kind of uh, rose up the ranks uh, doing a lot of systems engineering work uh, with a major telco, uh, Verizon, uh, and then eventually switched into uh, application security work and uh, at some point transitioned to analyst work. I was a former Gartner analyst uh, covering the application security space, uh, including things like API security and DevOps practices uh, and and some aspects of infrastructure security. Uh, And eventually that uh, kind of led to uh, where I am now with Salt Security. And I just uh, kind of promote awareness around API security challenges uh, of deep technical complexity, right? Because it it is uh, kind of a complex topic. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am today. Fabulous. That sounds good. So our systems and our platforms today are largely driven by API integrations vis-a-vis like we've got an API economy now and a lot of these applications today come with APIs that allow extensibility and integration capabilities and and things like that. Let's take a step back and and start with a governance question first. Um, Who owns API security in an organization? Michael, is is it the CIO, the CTO, CISO, somebody else? Any thoughts on that? It's a great question, and it's to to me, it's it's a little bit like who owned application security or who owns it, because uh, I, I would see this a lot when I would talk to organizations of all sizes and across uh, industries. Uh, a lot of companies don't even have application security teams, uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. right? So it's like who who's owning uh, application security pieces. Uh, you also see that with API security. Uh, the difference is like API security is kind of a, a superset of, of many things, right? You have application components, you have infrastructure components, uh, network elements, identity and access management. Uh, there's a lot to it. Uh, so I'd say typically what we find is API security is owned by qu- quite a few stakeholders in the organization. Like it, certainly network engineering owns pieces of it uh, with uh, uh, load balancers, maybe they're operating API gateways uh, th- that could be in scope for API um, product teams. Uh, but I'd say it's probably more common that uh, security is actually owned by maybe CIO uh, office, right? If you if you kind of go up that food chain, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe less so with CISO. Right? I, I certainly was common that uh, for a security organization, they might not be as versed on uh, application concepts. And by extension, that's going to include APIs. Uh, so they might actually push some, some of that, you know, like as part of shift left, for instance, uh, put, push some of that responsibility onto uh, the application teams. So I'd say more commonly, it, it probably falls on the, kind of the CIO side of things. Mm-hmm. That's great. And, and ultimately, when we look at technology, uh, and, and that includes DevOps teams, we've got configuration management, we've got operations. So, so the, the technology itself ultimately supports 
the business strategy. Uh, can you talk a little bit about some compelling arguments to convince a business stakeholder of the need to invest in API security? Because we're hearing a lot more of this. We've invested in security. We're not sure we're getting what we're looking for from a security perspective in terms of the confidence or the assurance. So how do you start that conversation to make this sort of compelling case that we, we really do need to invest in security? Do you have any thoughts around that? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, that's probably a topic I, I think about often, right? Like how, how do we kind of <laughs> dissect this complex topic and, and make it appealing to the business, right? Cause that's the, the heart of it, right? Uh, uh, businesses have to make money. Um, so how do you pitch security? Uh, I'd say um, uh, a, a mode of thinking that's kind of gaining a lot of traction. And we, we saw some of this in the, uh, the recent uh, executive order with the Biden administration, mm -hmm. where they talk about the concepts of um, supply chains. You, you mentioned this uh, as we started talking, right? Like uh, the, the API landscape is, is very large, right? It's a very diverse ecosystem. We, we are integrating with uh, systems and applications, but we, we also work with a lot of partners and suppliers. Like that's just kind of the nature of most modes of business, right? You're rarely doing everything yourself. You're working with other services and providers. Uh, that forms a very complex uh, digital supply chain. Uh, we've seen a lot of supply chain attacks, right? Or you know, cyber attacks, you might say more broadly. Uh, but in a lot of cases, they're actually targeting APIs, right? If, it, if it's not wholly uh, an API that they are taking advantage of, uh, that might be the initial attack vector, right? And then they pivot from there. Um, so, I mean, a APIs are kind of the heart of it, right? And it, I, I would have said this even prior to joining SALT, right? It is kind of my primary mission right now to promote awareness around APIs, but it, it's it's been that kind of trajectory, right? I'd say the better part of 10 years where uh, APIs give you that flexibility to, to integrate and create these digital supply chains that have a lot of benefits. Uh, but for organizations, right, it, it, the need to invest in some kind of API security capability um, exposing some of those issues with the digital supply chains, that complexity, how do you get visibility into it, right? I'd say in a lot of cases today, it might be more of a, a paper exercise, like trying to assess all your suppliers and getting attestation. Uh, that's just not going to cut it, right? Because ultimately, it, it does get very much into a technology problem, like how are uh, your suppliers and partners integrating things? And then how does that uh, impact your risk? Right, so I'd, I'd say what we, we commonly see is organizations are a little uh, flying blind in a sense there, right? They don't, they don't necessarily know at a technical level what, what are my exposures. And uh, it also expands, right? It's not just um, uh, how APIs might be attacked as regulation kind of uh, gets rewritten or uh, new regulations coming, right? Uh, particularly in the, the uh, space of privacy, like the things you need to be concerned about as an organization, uh, it, it starts to grow, right? So even even exposing some piece of data uh, that you are doing to, to facilitate your business uh, could now subject you to certain types of regulation. Mm, that's interesting. There's so much that you mentioned there, digital, you talked about the supply chain, you talked about privacy. And um, with a lot of organizations today on this trajectory towards becoming digital, 
considering that a core part of creating these integrated pipelines is in fact driven through APIs, uh, it becomes a, a necessary part of, of trying to enable digital delivery at the end of the day. So as the business is evolving towards a digital delivery model, the enabler for that happens to be the APIs underneath all of this. And if we don't secure the APIs, then you end up with a situation where it's difficult to, to try and, and um, demonstrate that within these pipelines, nothing has in fact been tampered with as you're going through these pipelines that now cut across different organizations as we consider the supply chain, as you'd mentioned. It's a, it's a fascinating topic. I mean, that could be an hour's discussion right there, Michael, honestly, um, but great response. Um, when you think about securing APIs, you, you've had these conversations multiple times. If you could just sort of uh, look at the, the broad categories of challenges that you see, could you share what some of these biggest challenges are around securing our APIs? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, so, I mean, it, uh, I touched on kind of the, the partner and suppliers, mm -hmm. right? That's uh, your, your third parties, uh, third party dependencies, you might say. And actually, I'd say a lot of focus on uh, software supply chains and digital supply chains is kind of on, uh, componentry, right? Like those are your application dependencies and you might pull those into your code. Uh, there's also API dependencies, obviously, right? Because we're, we're talking about invoking APIs uh, to consume that functionality or data, uh, then we, we repurpose that, right? That's, that's kind of how we architect modern applications. Um, so that those partner and supplier integrations are, it, it can become a really complex spider web uh, that that's the digital supply chain. The other thing is right, it kind of as organizations are building applications, typically they are API centric, right? Um, there's a lot of uh, discussion around microservices and microservices architecture. Uh, APIs are usually tied very closely at the hip to that, right? Mm -hmm. Because as you build microservices, where you want this thing to just do one one thing right it's, it's responsible for one function and then that you know might kind of put you on this trajectory to containerized architectures and kubernetes and all those great things but the way you expose microservice functionality uh to other microservices or maybe end users or employees uh you, you use apis to do that right so uh as design patterns have evolved into microservices architecture and I'd say even cloud native design, you end up with kind of this explosion of a lot of APIs, right? And, and some of them might be inner, right? Things that traditionally might be in your data center, but as organizations shift to, towards cloud, you can't necessarily rely on traditional data center controls, right? Uh, typically that's something perimeter based. I'm gonna block access at the network perimeter now that it exists in the cloud, right? And uh, things become much more distributed because that uh, provides you resiliency, right? And scalability and, and elasticity, all, all those great things that are going to help kind of power the business. So uh, there's quite a few, I'd say, variables in play that kind of complicate, complicate the API landscape. And then, you know, by extension of that, how, how do you secure it all, right? So it's... Uh, the, the tooling uh, that we as practitioners had that maybe 10 years ago, uh, it's just not built for this world, right? It's uh, if things were kind of isolated in a data center, 
uh, you might be able to get away with just uh, deploying a WAF in front of that. But um, it's just uh, th things are too distributed. Um, attacks have also uh, kind of changed, right? They're not they're not just simple exploits, right? Where you're going to try to maybe inject something uh, to uh, siphon out data from a backend uh, SQL database, right? Or uh, perform like a uh, reflected script, like cross-site scripting attack that in the application security space is very common. Uh, and in the API security space, it's much more about kind of abusing uh, business logic, right? Uh, or scraping data, right? So an API might function exactly as you intended, uh, but somebody is going to misuse that, right? And repurpose data in, in a way that you just don't want. So uh, the, the traditional kind of security approaches, network access controls, uh, locking down perimeters, uh, even some WAFs, right? Because they're, they're, they're built to kind of protect uh, more traditional web applications, not necessarily uh, the API traffic that might flow within that, right? Or sequ API sequences. So uh, it, it's kind of a, a mixture of all these things, right? The evolution of application design patterns and infrastructure. Uh, but then also how, how attacks have evolved. Yeah, interesting. You, you brought up the, the idea of a, a perimeter-based security model and how that's evolving as we consider applications in the cloud, for example. And one of the things that's emerged, um, I mean, there's some history behind this, but, but as of right now, a lot of discussions around zero trust um, to try and shift away from an exclusively perimeter-driven kind of uh, security model. Uh, you, can you talk a little bit about API security in the context of zero trust and, and these uh, newer security models, these evolving security models? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm definitely familiar with um, zero trust. I mean, I used to get the, the question pretty frequently. Within the context, I'd say, of containerized architectures, uh, it started to kind of reemerge there, uh, probably, honestly, in, in good part to uh, uh, Google pushing mm -hmm. that, right, with uh, Beyond Corp and uh, Beyond Trust, or Beyond, Beyond uh, I mixed up the names, <laughs> Beyond Corp and Beyond Prod, I think, was the uh, the second one that kind of followed that up. But um Beyond Corp was kind of, uh, it, it definitely borrowed heavily from zero trust principles, right? And they, they predate Google, certainly. Um, but it, 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 if you have to kind of boil down what does zero trust mean, it's kind of, uh, you, you can't trust the operating environment, right? And it could be compromised in any given moment. So any user or machine, when it attempts to access something, you, you have to kind of you know, question, should, should this be allowed? Uh, and then kind of take some action on that. Um, I'd say what what has happened in practice is uh, it's uh, you you have to kind of look at uh, behavior analysis engines, um, right? Because traditional access controls are much more about we're going to lock down this perimeter. It's a static access control list. This thing can't talk to this thing, right? And you have very structured networks. Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about kind of cloud native design patterns and things being more distributed, that architecture is much more ephemeral, right? You, you're not necessarily going to have a fixed IP address space. So like um, traditional like network identifying characteristics, just they don't exist, right? Or they're changing too rapidly. Um, so 
the newer technologies that are based on zero trust principles will start to pair pair in uh, kind of identity layer, right? So let, what is the authentic, authenticated context of this user or machine? Should, should they be authorized to do this? Do we need to uh, re-challenge for authentication? Um, and that uh, network perimeter has kind of, it shifted, right? Because it's not necessarily existing at, at a data center perimeter. You kind of have, uh, have more like micro perimeters for lack of a better term, right? Like maybe it's just, around this set of workloads or these sets of functions, um, you know, and, uh, the technology that probably maps closest to that is, you know, micro segmentation technologies. Um, so you're, you're kind of moving away from these big monolithic uh, network perimeters to something that's likely more software based. Uh, and then where you enforce that, it might be an agent, it might be a hypervisor, it could be the container runtime, but now you want to start to isolate how, how things can talk to one another. Um, Oh, that kind of answers part of your question, Altaz. It's it's, it's kind of hard yeah. to dissect yeah. the, the zero trust thing. And I'd say within API context, what we see with some organizations that are more mature in their API security approach is um, those technologies like micro segmentation. And if you are knee deep in zero trust, maybe you're looking at zero trust network access. Um, not, not all of them apply to API use cases because typically like maybe you're building a public API or open API, or it needs to allow anonymous access. How do you restrict network access, right? It needs to be open. So sometimes those technologies don't uh, really help uh, greatly. But what we see sometimes with mature organizations is they, they do use the behavior analysis engines of API security tooling to kind of parse uh, the context of what's happening, right? What should those API call sequences look like? What is a normal baseline? And then when we start to deviate from that, maybe it's a malicious user or machine entity. Well, now we can kind of call back to those you know, network-based mechanisms, whether it's micro-segmentation, maybe it is just kind of a um, load balancer, right? Application delivery controller, API gateway, you name it, right? It's kind of any network-based proxy. I, mean, I might want to start to restrict uh, connectivity based on how somebody is uh, consuming APIs. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And so there's some work actually being done within the industry right now. The open group's working on some stuff. NIST is working on some stuff. As, as we start as a community to produce some guidance around zero trust and getting to the operational elements of zero trust. Michael, it's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, it's been awesome, Altes. Thanks for having me on. Want to learn about what Security Compass has to offer? Check out securitycompass.com slash demo for a free demo today. Want more of the Balancing Act? Be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts for more episodes.